two readings because two texts. The last verse of the first reading and the first verse of the last reading. First of all, John chapter 1 and verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And then 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. What do these two verses have in common? Did you spot it? They begin the same way, don't they? No one has seen God at any time. But although they begin the same way, they each end differently. John 1.18 points us to God's Son. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. The focus there is upon the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, our blessed Saviour. Whereas 1 John 4.12 points us to God's people. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. There the focus is upon us as God's people and our loving one another. The NIV better captures the force of the original when it renders the beginning of each of these two texts. No one has ever seen God but. So John 1.18, no one has ever seen God but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. 1 John 4.12 No one has ever seen God but if we love one another God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. That rendering, I say, it helps us to make sense of what's going on in these two verses. They're telling us two big things. First of all, no one has ever seen God. I haven't. You haven't. No one has. Just a few pages later in John's Gospel, we have John 4.24, which reminds us that God is a spirit. So no one has ever seen God. But the second big truth in these texts is that though no one has ever seen God, Yet God has revealed to us something of his glory. And how has he done so? Well, in Christ, John 1.18, and in the church, 1 John 4.12. So in this watch night service, 
as the old year 2022 is about to ebb away and flow into the new year 2023. These two texts from God's word taken together would call us to look away to Jesus and having looked away to him, then in the light of that, to look back at ourselves. I'm calling the message from God's word tonight. No one has ever seen God, comma, but, dot, dot, dot. Just two points, one from each text. First of all, Jesus shows us what God is like. That's John 1.18. And then secondly, we show others what God is like. That's 1 John 4.12. So first of all, Jesus shows us what God is like. Looking together at John 1.18, no one has ever seen God but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Let's just get a grip upon this verse first of all before we think more about it. It clearly has three parts, doesn't it? After the no one has ever seen God but, we have the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. The only begotten Son, that's a reference to the one and only Son, to the Son of God, uh, to the second person of the Trinity. The one who, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, is co-eternal and co-equal. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. The NIV translates that not particularly literally, but captures something of the sense of it. Who is in closest relationship with the Father. In the bosom of the Father. In closest relationship with him. The only begotten son. Who is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him. How is it that Christ has declared God to us? Well, look at the context of our text. It comes at the end of this paragraph that we read from John 1. Which begins verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've been thinking much about that over recent times, haven't we? And why did he do so? Well, not least, in order that he might declare God to us. In order that he might show us something at least of what God is like. I'm saying this first point. Jesus shows us what God is like. Now we could be here all night. And all day tomorrow. And into next week. Talking about these things. But let's just confine ourselves to. The context of our text tonight. In what ways does Jesus show us. What God is like. Well first of all. He shows us that God is full of grace we have that phrase in verse 14 don't we full of grace 
Then in verse 16, uh, there's the statement, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. The ESV translates that grace upon grace. The idea is of grace uh, piled upon grace, piled upon grace, a mountain of grace. The grace of God lavished upon us. And verse 17 tells us that grace came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. God is full of grace. And we understand grace in the scriptures to mean our receiving what we don't deserve instead of what we do. And both parts of that statement are vital. Grace is not just our receiving what we don't deserve, our receiving what we have done nothing to deserve, but it is our receiving what we don't deserve instead of what we do. So not just that we receive that which we have done nothing to deserve, but that we receive from God that which we have done everything not to deserve. That's grace. That's the kind of God we have. Not the kind of God who is looking for any reason to do us harm. But rather, a God who delights in every way to do us good. We see that in the word becoming flesh. So Jesus shows us that God is full of grace. But secondly, and perhaps you're there already, Jesus shows us that God is full of truth. Verse 14 speaks of being full of grace, but also a full of truth. And verse 17 says not only that grace came through Jesus Christ, but truth. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Truth speaks to us of reality. That which is true, that which is real. Now we know that in many ways the whole idea of truth is out of favour today. Certainly any idea of absolute truth, that which is true for all people in all places at all times, it is out of favour today. And insofar as people uh, can cope with any kind of truth, well, There's to be my truth, or your truth, or our truth. We define our own truth. Truth can be whatever we want it to be. And I can have my truth, and you can have your truth, even if never the twain shall meet. But there is such a thing as absolute truth. And God is full of truth. And Jesus shows us The truth that is God and the God that is truth. He shows us that there is a God. That he created us. That we are accountable to him. That we've offended him. But also that the one whom we've offended is the very same one who offers to us mercy. In the person and through the work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is full of truth. 
Jesus shows us that God is full of grace. Jesus shows us that God is full of truth. And the third thing, Jesus shows us that God is full of grace and truth. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, hang on a minute. You've already told us that God is full of grace and that he's full of truth. Well, of course he's full of grace and truth. You're just repeating yourself, but I don't believe I am. It's vital that we grasp that God is full of grace and truth. Not just grace or truth, not just truth or grace. Not part grace, part truth, but all grace and all truth. Because properly understood, grace and truth belong together. Rightly understood, grace and truth cannot survive apart from each other. You see, a truthless grace is no grace at all. Because grace is only grace if it can stand in the face of reality. And similarly, a graceless truth is no truth at all. We must understand that it is in the very nature of God to show mercy. Don't misunderstand me. We have no right uh, to God's grace. But still I say it is in the very nature of God to show mercy. And if our God were to show no mercy, then he would not really be God. Grace, mercy, it's not optional where divinity is concerned. It's the very essence of what it means to be divine. So in God we have neither a truthless grace nor a graceless truth. So you see, John's giving us this picture here in the first chapter of his gospel. He's telling us, Jesus shows us what God is like, full of grace, full of truth, full of grace and truth. John's telling us from our first text tonight, no one has ever seen God but look at Jesus. Just look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never really looked at him, not properly before. Will you not look at him tonight as he shows you a God full of grace and truth? A God who desires only to do you good In the gospel. Maybe you've looked at the Lord Jesus many times before. But God's word bids you to look again tonight. To be reminded of just how he he shows us what God is like. and, And what a God he is. Oh look for the first time. Look again. Look your eyes away. No one has ever seen God. But you want to know what he's like? Look at Jesus. Jesus shows us what God is like. That's the first thing. And the second and only other main point tonight is this. We show others what God is like. We're moving from our first text, John 1.18, to our second, 1 John 4.12. No one has ever seen God but... If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. I guess you may agree with me that if our first text was comforting, then our second one is challenging. 
Because if we show others what God is like, then the question is, what impression are we giving? Again, let's just think about this statement. Like the other one, it has three parts. After the no one has ever seen God but, we are told if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So first, if we love one another. Notice it is not assumed. We have to confess, don't we, that no Christian loves other Christians perfectly. And sometimes we have to recognize, sadly, that some professing Christians hardly seem to love other Christians at all. But the text says, if we love one another, God abides in us. God lives in us. That's what it's saying, really. You remember, for the Christian, we're united to Christ, and God lives in us, and we live in him. But what's the evidence? What's the evidence that someone truly abides in God and that God abides in them? Well, it is, according to this verse, that we love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Reminding us that the love we have for one another is not a love that began with us, but rather it's a love that began with God. He first loved us and uh, by way of response we were given to love him in return. And he not only loved us but he loved our fellow believers. And so he enabled us not only to love him but also to love them. To love one another. So it's his love that is being perfected or made complete in us as we love one another. And maybe sometimes we find it hard to love one another. But when God loved us, he loved those who were unlovely, didn't he? He loved those who would never have loved him had he not loved us first. And so when we love one another as God's people, even those we may find hard to love, it is an evidence that we are loved by God. It is an evidence of his, the work of his spirit in our hearts and in our lives. And so this verse is telling us, yes, if we want to know what God is like, we can look at Jesus, but also God hasn't just revealed something of his glory in his son, but he's also revealed something of his glory in his people as we love one another. People don't just look at Christ, but they look at the church. And yes, ultimately we want them to look to Christ, not at us, but very often they will look at us before they look at him. And what they see in us, for better or for worse, will shape their impression of him. Let's think about this in the moments we have left. First of all, our love for one another, or the lack of it, says something to others about ourselves. As Christians, it says something about us. 
it demonstrates to our fellow Christians whether or not we are the genuine article. Because let's be frank, let's not beat around the bush. The Christian who has no love for his or her fellow Christians is not really a Christian at all. What does John say in these verses that follow in verse John 4? He makes that classic statement in verse 16. He's already made it in verse 8, but he makes it again in verse 16 for emphasis that God is love. God is love. And so we cannot profess to know God or be the children of God if we do not have love in our hearts for him and for all those he loves. God is love, verse 16. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. It's as if John's saying that's how it works. God is love. And so if we're in a right relationship with God, then as he loves, we will love. And those he loves, we will love. So our love for one another, or the lack of it, says something to others about ourselves secondly our love for one another or the lack of it either helps or hinders our fellow Christians the presence of this love it it helps why as Christians we sense the love of other believers for us and it reassures us That we are not only loved by them, but that we are loved by God. And it fuels our trust in our Heavenly Father. That He does love us as His Word tells us that He does. Because yes, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but also because He has put us in a community, in a church family of fellow believers who love us, at least in some measure, to some degree, as he does. So the presence of this love. It greatly helps. Our fellow Christians. But similarly the absence of it. Sadly hinders. The faith. Of our fellow Christians. Where there is not love. Among brothers and sisters. In a local church family. It stumbles. It fuels doubt. It can cause people to think, well, if those who call themselves God's people don't love me, then does God really love me after all? Our love for one another, or the lack of it, either helps or hinders our fellow Christians. And surely we would not want to hinder one another. But we would want by God's grace and to his glory in every way to help one another. So we've said our love for one another or the lack of it. It says something to others about ourselves. It either helps or hinders our fellow Christians. And also this number three, our love for one another or the lack of it either helps or hinders those who are as yet unsaved. Again, the presence of this love It helps the unsaved. 
as they seek to find their way to God and to salvation. If they see a people who love one another, they see, find something that they can find nowhere else. All sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds, with all sorts of personalities. And yet they love one another in a way in which no other group of people they've ever encountered before anywhere love one another. And such an experience, it pulls people near. They see the love of God. They don't just hear it proclaimed, but they see it. They don't just hear it with their ears, but they see it with their eyes lived out in front of them. And it pulls them nearer the kingdom. But the absence of this love, where unbelievers have to do with God's people, and yet there is not this love for one another, it hinders, it stumbles, it pushes away, causes the gospel to lose its attraction. The message of salvation to lose its luster. There is a dissonance between the message that they hear of a God who is love and what they witness a people where love seems to be absent. So just as our love for one another or the lack of it either helps or hinders our fellow Christians, so it either helps or hinders those who are as yet unsaved. And again, we would not want to hinder them, would we? We would not want to stumble them on their way to the cross. We would not want to cause them to falter in their search for salvation. But rather we would want to help them. And to demonstrate not just with the words that we speak, but with the lives that we live. That God is love. And that we love one another. So you see, in this parallel text to the first one we looked at, we see that God's word is not just saying no one has ever seen God, but look at Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He's also saying here in 1 John 14, no one has ever seen God, but look at the church. You want to know what God is like? Look at the church. And perhaps you're tempted to think, Really? You want to know what God is like? Look at the church. Friends, I'm not making it up. Look at it again. 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. That's something to get our teeth into in 2023, isn't it? Yes, we want to point people to Jesus. But we must remember that they're also looking at us. That for better or for worse, we show others what God is like. May we be helped to give them the right impression. Amen.